If you got your worship guide with you, um, expect to, to just kind of need to write any extra notes that God might give you um, in between these, these, these main uh, points that I'll share with you today. The first thing you need to know about Jesus is that only Jesus loves you the most. Only Jesus loves you the most. Your parents might love you. Your grandparents might love you. Your um, bestest of friends. Your closest of family and friends may love you dearly. But no one loves you like Jesus loves you. Nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. It, It should compel you to always let Jesus lead the way because you can always guarantee that anything that Jesus wants for you is because of his love for you. Nothing that he presents to you, nothing that he allows in your life even, is not done without love. He wants to meet you right where you are. He wants you to understand that he loves you the most. And it's a good thing because, listen, the Bible says that that we all are in desperate need of a Savior. And Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us even while we were still sinners. The reason we know that that Jesus' love is not based upon what we do or don't do is because he loved us before we were lovable. He loved us at our worst when we deserved everything absolutely nothing from him. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Look at 1 John 3.16. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, by this we know and have come to understand the depth and the essence of his precious love, that he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us. Listen, Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to die for you so that he would not have to live eternally without you. John 5, 13 says, there is no greater love than than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, Just recently, we celebrated and remembered 9-11. Well, as people thought about those families, thought about those victims, thought about those terrorist attacks, um, if you knew the storylines and you knew all the firefighters that lost their life, you can't help but go, man, what about those that were willing to walk into that fire and walk into really death row in hopes of saving just one more person. Listen, that's what Jesus did for you. He went to the cross out of his love for you. You can never, ever, ever say that you are not loved. You might not feel loved by people around you. But understand that that Jesus loves you so much that he gave it all. He laid it all down. The Apostle Paul talks about the fact that that at the very basic foundation of our faith is for us to understand God's love. Now, again, you can't fully understand God's love, but you need to recognize God's love. And then this is what I think happens. When you realize how much God loves you, you'll quit running from God and you'll always want to run to God. Like if there's anybody I'm going to trust, I, I trust my mom greatly. I trust other family members. I trust many of you. But if I got to pick, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting Jesus because I know his love is the purest love and the perfect love. 
Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I know a lot of people that have a lot of love issues. In fact, I know more people who have love issues than I know people who don't. Those things stir from maybe people's childhood, not feeling that they were ever good enough. Those things can steer to other relationships and what have you. But I want you to understand, no one can bring you the kind of secure love that Jesus can. Don't expect anybody else in your life to substitute for Jesus' love. That's what we do often. That's what we do often. Listen, there is no perfect person, but there is a perfect Savior. And his love is absolutely perfect. Billy Graham once said this. He said, God is saying from the cross, I love you, I love you, I love you. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, Jesus loves you. You need, you need to know that that's, not, that's more than just a song. I was just thinking about that song, Deep and Wide, that, that we all um, used, to, used to sing. I guess they still do that with, with young kids. That, that's, that's when you know you're getting old. When you, 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 you are either you don't have grandkids yet, um, so you're not singing all those little songs. Um, but listen, how deep and how wide is the love of God? You need, to, you need to swallow it when I say this, that Jesus is crazy about you. Jesus loves you the most, so you need to trust him the most. You need to understand his love goes beyond your circumstance. His love goes beyond your worst mistake. His love meets you right where you are, and he says you're worth it. But secondly, only Jesus can save your eternal soul. Only Jesus can save your eternal soul. The entire reason that Jesus came down to earth was to save your soul. You say, well, well why did I need uh, anybody to save my soul because the Bible says that you're a sinner. The Bible says that you, you've fallen short of the glory of God. But I want you to hear this. Um, a lot of people don't like to talk about death. Okay, I find that that's, that's probably the most uncomfortable subject for a lot of people. In fact, um, a lot of people don't like to come to funerals. I preach a lot of funerals, and I, and I find that people legitimately do not like to come to funerals. And I, I, I think that's tragic. Let me explain why. Until you can face death with hope, you can't live life to the fullest. See, if you, if you sit back and, and you just walk in fear, you know, that, that fear is going to have you gripped. But when you can look death in the face and still know that you have hope even beyond the grave, that is the greatest hope anyone could have to overcome, by the way, what is the greatest fear known to man. I had a gentleman one time, one of my hospice patients, he told me, he said, Pastor, I've done a lot of different things, but I've never died before. You mind telling me how to do that? And I had to let him know that wasn't on my resume either. He was, he was, he was frightened. He was afraid. I once asked a 102-year-old man who was one of my hospice patients who claimed no, no religion or anything. And I said, Sir, um, what do you think is going to happen after you die. He said, well, I never really thought about it. And I said, I said, at 102, it's time to start thinking. Do you know I still, that man never did give his heart and life to Christ. 
That man just said, he said, I guess I'll just fall asleep. Let me help you understand something. You will not just fall asleep. When you leave this life, your soul, your very being will go to the next life. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. I know I talk about death sometimes or funerals and stuff like that a lot, and it's, it, it probably really is just because, like I said, I've been, I've been by so many bedsides. And so it, it, it really changes you, okay? You, you watch enough people transition from this life to the next. It, it, it radically changes your perspective. Uh, it motivates you to live like you're dying because you see your humanity in them. And, you know, I've watched people before leave, and I go, the body's still there, but the spirit's left the building. You tell me. You tell me what happened. I'm telling you what happened. The soul transitioned. The soul lived on. The soul left the body. It left the building. You need to understand that your soul is the most important part of you. That is the part that needs hope the greatest. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, everyone is sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You need to know that sin is anything that you do that's not right in the eyes of God. So we're all sinners. We all, we all have done things and we do things that, that, that aren't right. But that's why we needed a Savior. Jesus comes on the scene to try to repair things and make things right between sinful man and holy God. Look at Romans 5, 9 through 11. Most people don't read this passage too much. It says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of God, Christ. I want you to hear that part. We are made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. Listen, going to church won't save you. Being a better person than other people won't save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. If anybody ever tells you any other way that they can get to heaven, you need to help them understand that is not your opinion. That is not your pastor's opinion. It is the word of God for the people of God. It says, we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Listen, in Christ, you are not only a child of God, you're a friend of God. Because see, no longer are you on the other side, but now you're on his side and you know that he's on your side. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, what each of us deserve is eternal condemnation and eternity in hell. But Jesus comes on the scene and he says, listen, no, I love these people way too much. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What you deserve because of your sin is eternity in hell but God offers this free gift. You know, I think it's hard for people to understand that you can just simply say a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your death on that cross. I believe in your resurrection from that grave. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Take over my life. 
save me. I think people just think that sounds just too good to be true. That's the gospel. It is too good to be true. That's why it's good news. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I've heard people say before, you know, so-and-so is not a good Christian. Listen, none of us are good Christians. We are sinners saved by our good, great God. It is by the grace of God, listen, by the grace of God and your faith in Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord, that you're able to be saved. Look at Acts 4.12. It says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we might be saved. I really worry about the up-and-coming generations, and here's why. The longer and the further we go along, the more we want to edge Jesus out, don't we? We want to talk about things that may be scriptural, but we want to omit and go, well, hey, you know what? Jesus can't be the only way. Listen, Jesus said, you know, narrow is the way. It may sound narrow-minded to someone. Narrow is the way that leads to life. But you know what he also said? He said, broad is the highway to hell, and many take it. You need to understand, regardless of how simple this sounds, regardless of how um, foolish this sounds, the Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who, who, who don't know his power. But to those, it's saving grace. Romans 10, 9 says this, if, I don't know if you've done this or not, maybe you have, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you understand that the moment that you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, if you have, your eternal destination changed just like that? You're one day closer to the best days of your life? Listen, this life's but a diet. Eternity is infinity and beyond. This, this life is a grain of sand. Eternity is forever and ever. Where are you going to spend forever? Where are your friends going to spend forever? Have you even talked to your friends or your family members or others? You know, for me, I do not want to have anybody in my life that I have the opportunity to share Jesus with that I don't. And by the way, you don't have to preach at somebody. You can share what Jesus has done and is doing for you. And they can see it right through your life. 1 John 5, 11 through 13 talks about the fact that we can have confidence in Christ for our eternal life in heaven. It says, God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, maybe you didn't do like I did when, when you first came to Christ, but I think even as a pastor's son, because my dad was a pastor for 45 years, I gave my heart and life to Christ about a million times. Anybody else did that? Because I, I was like, man, I sure don't seem like I got it all figured out, and, and I don't feel too much like I'm a Christian. Um, and, and Because all we know, we, we want to go by our performance. You know, sometimes we even think that with God's love. Well, God... You know, God doesn't like me too much right, right now. God could not like what you're doing, and he still loves you the same. Okay? 
It's like, it's like your parents or loved ones or so, you know. Uh, they might not like what you're doing, what you're saying, but they still love you. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, we live with great expectation. I want you to hear that. It says, we as believers, we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. I've told some people before that were close to, to, to moving from this side of heaven into heaven. I said, will you make sure nobody tampers with my mansion? You know, because the Bible does say, it says that in my house there's, there's many rooms. And he says he's prepared one for you. And they said, well, how do I get to one of those rooms? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, everything has to go through Jesus or it's not going to get you where you want to go. Listen to the simple gospel. If you're ever just wanting to know what's the gospel in a nutshell, John 3, 16 through 18 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. I hear people all the time say, well, well, you know what? A, a good God's not going to send anybody to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. He gives you a choice. He sent his son. He showed his love. He gave the invitation. The choice is yours. Do you know Jesus? Do you realize that only Jesus can save your eternal soul? But thirdly, only Jesus makes all things new. Only Jesus makes all things new. Now, some of you in here, you need to pick me up right now. I'm just going to speak this to you. You have a situation. You have a circumstance. You have something that has kind of gotten, it's gotten a hold of you. It's, it's, it's really taking you down. You, you, you feel like you're sinking. You feel like you can't change a thing. You feel like maybe you're, you're falling in the same patterns of life ever that you, that you were in. And I want you to understand it is Christ that can change anything, and that change starts with you. If you let Christ take over, he can reshape you, he can remold you, he can take you places you can't take yourself. The Bible talks about us becoming a new person. Somebody says, well, how can you know if somebody's a Christian? The only way we can know is by the fruit. The only way we can recognize that is there should be a change in that person. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not just words to say, hey, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. That means you've surrendered to his lordship. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old has gone and a new life has begun. I want to emphasize that. You Notice it says a new life has begun. You've heard people say before, so-and-so's a new believer. Some of you, you may be grown adults, but you may be a new believer. What do I mean by that? You may just be, for the first time ever in your life, truly begin beginning to learn and seek to try to take up your cross and follow Christ. 
And that's okay. Listen, I deal with I deal with adults all the time that are at the beginning of their spiritual journey. Maybe you've known Christ for a long, long time, but you really just had never given him your life before. And so you're you're trying to 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 start living out that new journey. You need to know that that journey is ongoing. You're not going to arrive. You aren't who you used to be. You aren't all you're going to be. You just keep trusting in Christ, and he, he molds you and makes you into who he wants you to be. Look at verse 18. It says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Things were made right for you through Christ. And then as you allow Christ to take over your life, he begins to put things in their rightful place. But you ever wonder why God, after you get saved, doesn't just take you on up to heaven? Here's why. Because there's other people who aren't on their way to heaven. They're on their way to hell. And he wants people like you and he wants people like me to get out there. By the way, the mission's out there. This is a pet rally. That's the mission. The majority of people are never going to walk inside of a church. Okay? You need to get that into your heart. A lot of people, the only Jesus they're going to see is you. And I, I wonder, are we loving, lifting, and leading people to Jesus? Listen, for us around here, that's more than a slogan. We, we just happen not to be one of those churches. We're not trying to have church. Yeah, most of you know I don't even like church. And like I said, a lot of things come out of my mouth. And my mom, how many of y'all get corrected by your mother? Okay. How many of you know, know how, how old you get? You're going to get corrected by your mother. My mom has to do a lot of correcting with me. Uh, she just says, she likes to say, that didn't come out right. Um, so, so I'm sorry if that didn't come out right. But what I really mean by that is um, I just don't like pretending. I got better things to do. I could be out on the water on the boat right now. I like that. We got to live out our faith because somebody needs to find Jesus today. And somebody needs to find Jesus tomorrow. You, you know, I, I can tell you this when, when uh, most people don't realize this. Um, I have a very long-term commitment right here to Walterboro. Have I signed some contract? Have I, have I said God couldn't shift me here or there? But when I say that, I'm here for the long haul. In, in fact, I feel that Refuge Church must be here or there will be thousands who do not come to know Jesus Christ. And so right now, I think he just wants to rise us up. I think we're in the workshop, okay? Some of you, you're looking for other people to step up, and I want to say something to you. God's going, no, you know enough to be dangerous. Why don't you step up? God uses pitiful people like me. I mean, you should be inspired that if, if I can be a pastor, okay, and I, I even find that laughable. All right, you're talking to someone here that, that I remember being asked. I was in like ninth, tenth grade, and somebody's like, um, "Are you ever going to be? Are you going to be one of the ministers?" I said, "Yeah, clown minister." 
I meant every word. I never planned on um listen, sometime God runs your butt down. Okay? I had no clue before 18 years of age after I graduated from high school. And I'm at an invitation, I'm at a church camp, I'm there for the kids. I'm trying to help the kids and all. And the, the evangelist made the mistake of saying, he says, is anybody here today, maybe you feel called to surrender your life to full-time ministry? Y'all, I had never thought about it one time. I had never had the question asked. And next thing I know, I'm like, oh, my Lord, God's speaking to me. And that's when I surrendered my life, 28 years ago, to the full-time ministry. And I've been letting God lead ever since. God has never let me down he continues to mold me. He continues to help me. He continu you, know, you know what I think is the worst? Is when you're somewhere and you don't even know where you are because you, you, you're, you're, you're marching to the beat of your own drum. That's a scary place. I, I, I want to I be right where he wants me to be and letting him continue to craft me. You know, and, and by the way, you, you, in order for Christ to really take over you, you have to get over your pride. You have to get over your pride. Pride goes before the fall. Join the hot mess club. Join the hot mess club. I, I, I love the fact that Jesus loves hot messes. Is anybody else could be in my club maybe with me, a hot mess club? Some of us just show it better. We're like, oh, yes, you know, that one's easy to pick out. Some of y'all are undercover, by the way. Um, and that's okay. That's all right. I want you to hear this, this, this quote from um, a, a song that 10th Avenue North uh, sayings. It says, you are more than the choices that you've made. You are more than the sum of your worst mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. Listen, Christ can remake you. Doesn't matter what the past has tried to hold against you. God loves to show people his goodness, his grace, and his mercy in lives like yours and in mind. And by the way, it's usually not until we fall flat on our face that we really get on our knees. That's all of us. That's all of us. That's when we pray the most earnest. That's when we seek God. You know, it's when we've when we feel like we've we've got nothing but a mess, then all of a sudden we realize, God, I need you to put the pieces of my life together. I love the fact that the Bible says we're God's masterpiece. Look at Ephesians 2:10. It says, "For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, some people who are lost out there wouldn't agree with this when I say this, but lost people cannot live out God's plans. They can't. First of all, they're leading their self, or they're just trying to follow others. You can't live out the plans that he prepared for you long ago without giving your heart and life to him, allowing him to empower you, to enlighten you, to encourage you, and to, to take you and mold you and make you into who he wants you to be. Notice what this says again, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew, which means, listen, you are not who you used to be. You may feel like it, but you aren't. He does this so that we can do the good things he plans for us to do. I really believe that, that, that the most wonderful thing about how God uses the past, he uses it as a platform, not a barrier, not a roadblock, but a road ramp. 
Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Listen, sometimes we can feel like we're in over our heads so much that we no longer feel like we can have confidence in what God can do in our lives or in the situations around us. What if I told you it's not about you? What if I told you somehow, as the Scripture tells us, time and time again, if you humble yourself before the Lord, He will lift you up? Listen, while Jesus is being lifted up in your life, He's lifting you up. He wants you to know, hey, don't dwell on the past. See, Satan loves to do that. He loves to bring up your worst mistakes and keep saying that defines you. Listen, the people who don't have the confidence are those who don't understand their new identity in Christ. Paul said this. He said, I, it is not me but Christ that lives within me. How are you going to make it? How are you going to become all that God would have you to be? Christ in you. You know, the scripture says you must decrease so that he can increase. But number four, only Jesus gives us lasting peace. Only Jesus gives us lasting peace. I believe every one of us, we wake up each day trying to look for peace. Yes, we try to look for significance and, and, and we, we try to have certain goals and this and that. But really what we're looking for is we're looking for the greatest peace that we can have. How does this make me feel? I want you to understand, Jesus is the only person that can give you lasting peace. When I was um, uh, younger, my dad always used to sing a song that later on I, I sang a lot, and it was called The Only Real Peace. And it says in the chorus, I believe it, the only real peace, dear Lord, is in you. The only real peace, dear Lord, is in you. With all life's frustrations, I need you. I know. I do. Because the only real peace, dear Lord, is in you. Listen, most of the world is looking for peace and hope in all the wrong places. And what you're going to find the longer you live is you're going to be right back where I'm telling you that God always brings me, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the only lasting peace. It's not getting your situations just right. It's not you getting fixing yourself or fixing other people. It is Christ in you resurrecting the situation, transforming lives, and giving peace. Listen to what Billy Graham said. He said, the world doesn't give peace, for it doesn't have any peace to give. It fights for peace. It negotiates for peace. It maneuvers for peace. But there is no ultimate peace in this world. But Jesus gives peace for those who trust in him. There is a certain peace and confidence that I have in my heart. It is not arrogance. Because trust me, like I said, I fall on my face every single day. But there is such a peace that comes from free-falling into his arms, from knowing that to the best of your ability, you're, you've given it to him, you're giving it to him, you're trusting him, you're leaning on him, you are allowing him to work. See, a lot of times we want to do God's work for him instead of realizing that God needs to work in and through and for us. It's not you doing the work. That's what a lot of people in church, they grow up trying to be a good Christian. And so you try so hard and you fall so short. 
I didn't learn that till a long time into my, my, my um, Christian walk. How to fully, uh, it, they call it, write this down. I remember this from years ago. Frog. We are all a frog. I want you to put that down. F-R-O-G. It stands for fully reliant on God. You frogs. I don't know about you, but I am fully reliant. The moment that you fully realize that and you embrace that day in and day out, it's much easier for you to take up your cross and follow him because you now have the peace that he's leading, not you. Again, we all love to hear Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel. But most of the time, we like to hold the wheel and be like, Jesus, you over there? No, no, no. Let him get the wheel, and you take the back seat. Because that's where your peace comes from. Look at what Jesus says in John 6, 33. He tells us exactly what we're going to face in this life as well as how we can have peace. Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. There's nowhere else in Scripture that it says you're going to find peace except in Christ. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Amen? But he said, take heart because I've overcome the world. You know what he's saying? He's saying, take heart. No matter what comes against you, no matter what has happened to you, take heart. You can find peace in me. You can overcome in me. You will be okay. By the way, it's okay to not be okay. A lot of, a lot of people aren't okay with not being okay. If I was not okay being that way, I couldn't be your pastor. A lot of times why some things just uh, kind of just spill out of me is because I learned that, that the key to my peace is to be honest, is to be real, and to just let God keep making things right. I'm not trying to impress you. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I am not here to serve you. I'm here to serve him, but I am seeking to serve you as he leads me and as I serve him. I'm willing to let God change any, any message. I'm willing to say, well, God, you know, what I had for today looked a lot cuter. These people wouldn't have left talking about, somebody says, well, what did the preacher talk about today? He just preached about Jesus. They're like, I had to be boring. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the change agent. Jesus is the only person that will never change, which brings me to number five. Only Jesus never, ever, ever changes. Only Jesus never, ever, ever changes. The older you get, I, I, I used to give my mom a hard time. I'm sure there's some of you in here, you fall into this category. I used to give my mom a hard time because I said, Mama, why do you always know who's at the funeral home, why you got to always get a text from the funeral home, okay? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? And I realized that that, that that came about, especially my mom growing up and and always living in the same hometown there in St. George. She, um, she knows that each week it's liable to be somebody that she knew that took their last breath. Listen, one of the... One of the hardships of growing older is you say goodbye to more and more people that you love. Now, in Christ, you'll see them again in heaven. But, but it's hard. I want you to hear this. 
Seasons change. I don't care what season you're in, you'll be in a different season later on. People change. Relationships come and go. Circumstances are this way today. I mean, think about what we're in in this COVID season. It's weird. But we got more weird seasons to come. Everything's going to continue to change around you. But Jesus will never change. You can be certain of what he says. You can be certain of his character. You can be certain of his promises. You can be certain of his peace that passes all understanding, regardless of what discombobulates you and, and just shakes you up and, and, and seems to be, you know, I, I just hear this recurring theme from people all the time. You know, this world's just changed. It's been changing. It's just sometimes the lights flip on and we see it. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I want to I lift up each and every person listening right now. God, I pray that some way, form or fashion, God, that, 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 that you spoke to their heart today. Lord, as I just simply sought to, to allow you to to speak your words of life. God, may we all recognize the love of Christ that is indescribable, that is unconditional, that is immeasurable. God, may we embrace that love. May we trust in your grace, in your faithfulness, in your promises that will never let us down. Jesus, I pray today that if there's anyone listening that has not yet said, Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and that he was buried and then he arose from the grave, overcoming sin and death for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Change me from the inside out. Lord, I pray that if someone here has not yet done that, that they would do that right now. Lord, knowing that you are just a prayer away. And Lord, that then they can have the certainty of salvation in you. God, I pray for that person right now. Satan has beat them up. They are discouraged. They are depressed. They are outmatched. They are overwhelmed. I pray, Lord, that they understand that you can resurrect them. You can resurrect the situation. God, you can come into their life and into their circumstance, Lord, and do immeasurably more than they could ever dream or imagine. And we give you each and every person, each and every pain, each and every struggle. Lord, in a world that is constantly changing around us, in a world, Lord, that feels out of control, Lord, may we rest in the fact that you still are in control. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open as you stand with us. You can make your way here if you'd like to come here and, and, and speak with me or pray with me. I'm available as well. Would you stand with us?